Uh, 67 tests for Australia, a World Cup, bled as lows and two tries against the British and Irish Lions to seal our first ever series win against them. But this may be the blockbusting and hard defending centre's biggest ta- uh, biggest test yet. Sunday night, he was thrust in as the top dog of Australian rugby. I've got him on the line now. Daniel Herbert. Herbie, very, very good morning to you. Is your head still spinning? G'day, Ben. Uh, yeah, look, the, the events of the past couple of days, I mean, are uh, certainly not something I want to go through again in any hurry um, and certainly didn't didn't think on uh, Friday, Saturday or even Sunday that that things would end up the way they ended up. But uh, look, it's a it's a great honour to to be given the opportunity to serve in this capacity and I'll certainly give it uh, give it my utmost. Well, mate, there's one thing definitely you are is passionate and we've had some passionate callers already th- this morning about this and we'll get into those very shortly. But change is not easy. Uh, uh, are you prepared for? Are you prepared for war? Uh, look, I don't think we want war. I think the. I don't think we're going to get uh, the outcomes that we need through war. I think we actually just need to get people in a room and agree on the way forward and the, the solutions that we need. Because uh, you know, it, I don't think a war. I don't think a civil war really. You know, people can say it can bring it to a head, but I don't think a civil war is in the game's best interests. And you know, we we've been through a fair bit in this game. I've been around it for forty five years. It has a tendency to eat itself and uh, between the you know the community stream into the uh, into the super rugby clubs and uh, and onto RA and I've, I've played a part in all three of those um, areas mm. and they tend to uh, you know they tend to eat themselves at, at times and I think there's a time culturally where the game just needs to get behind itself and, and back itself and uh, you know it's our job to, to lay out the plans of how to do that. But uh, you know, I don't think I don't think we're going to get anywhere through having a civil war. Well, that and that's good. That that's that's obviously the game plan. Do do you think that mm. is going to happen though with those who are in power of the different states now, or are you confident that you can get through this um, peacefully? Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, it won't be peaceful. I mean, you said change is difficult, and it is, and it won't be peaceful, and not everyone will be happy about it, and even the. I mean, and I'll just focus for a moment on the, I guess, the high performance stream of the game because that's that's one thing that I said when I was asked to consider going on the board was, you know, what do you think some of the problems are? And I said, well, that that isn't, you know, that isn't modern, you know, that whole high performance area, the way that we're structured under a federated model. I mean, I heard one of your callers talking about pathways. Well, you know, that those pathways are a state union. Um, you know, we get back to a federated model. That's a state union obligation. And responsibility. That's not a not a national union. So, you know, where you want that to change, that we though, we need to. Well, we it needs to be integrated. Yeah. You know, at the moment, it's all you know, it's all kind of you do that and you do that, and it's a bit like when we went through COVID, where the prime minister would come out and say we're going to do this, and then the, the state premiers come out and say no, we're not, we're going to do this, and it's a bit like that. Um, you know, our politics reflects our sporting landscape, and it doesn't work in a high performance area so that's something we need to address and and other countries have have managed to get agreement and do that so you know new zealand did it after they got bundled out of the 2007 uh world cup and ireland did it back around 2012-13 so it can be done and they're they're both different i think scotland's done as well many countries and more are doing it now so after the world cup so it's now seen as, as as best practice um it's not a cut and paste everyone looks a little bit different but, you know, we've got to get, you know, we've got to get attention on that. And, uh, you know, the, the states are all doing their own pathways and uh, they've got their own super rugby clubs. And then we have a, 
a Wallaby coach and a team who come together and assemble, and they've got sort of very little oversight of what's happened during the year, and that's uh, you know that's got to change. Well, that's something that has been on the cards since August, that the, the high-performance centralisation. How far down the track is the ARU or, or Rugby Australia with uh, finding a high-performance director? Uh, the, the process has been going for a couple of months now. We mm. knew that it was going to be difficult during the World Cup because a number of the a number of the potential candidates would be at the World Cup and they've got to be focused on that. And also out of the World Cup, um, potential new candidates emerge. So... You know, we're, we're some way down the road, um, but you know, still a little bit of time to go yet. A former player? Is that a necessity? Oh, I go into it. I, I don't think so, no. I think it's got to be someone who understands what we need to do. And, you know, it's, uh, I, don't think it, I don't think it needs to be a former player. I don't think it needs to be a former coach. I just think it needs to be someone who understands high performance and, you know, working in a more integrated uh, model, how that looks. Uh, Andrew raised the issue of identity. Herbie, does it high performance uh, manager, the high performance director, do they have to be Australian? Well, I don't believe so. I don't believe so. I mean, I, you know, this is one of those sort of things that, that people uh, people have different viewpoints on, and and mm. you know, it's right. Every World Cup so far, every men's World Cup, has been won by a team who's had a, a coach um, from their country. So, I mean, there's some merit in it. I think if I think all things equal, then, you know, that might be the thing that, that tips it over the line. But if it's not equal, then I think you've got to consider, you know, what you know, what is the best. And we've had New Zealand coaches, we've had Australian coaches, and the results the results of the New Zealand coaches are no worse than the, the Australian coaches generally. I mean, I think Robbie Deans has still got one of the higher percentages after Rob McQueen. So I don't personally I don't think it matters, but um, you know, but that's just my view. Herbie, I, I love seeing you at Yoku Road yesterday at, at Jeeps, uh, and it was just across the oval from where you went to school. That, that's been one of the, the big issues, and I, I guess that was one thing that Phil brought up about how, how do you keep it? How do you keep a sixteen-year-old, seventeen-year-old Dan Herbert now in in the game of rugby, rather than going to rugby league or AFL, or, or just keep them playing after after they they turn eighteen? Yeah, it's a challenge. It's a challenge because it's competitive, and our competitors have. Uh, you know, have have more money than us, and they can spend more of that space. So we've got to be more targeted, and uh, and make sure that we get most of the decisions right. And you know, it's it's difficult, you know, because it's competitive. And I think the thing that rugby has is a very good value proposition around the game and what it, you know, what opportunities it presents. You'd, it's got the international side to the game that um, you know that our two main competitors don't. Um, you get to travel a lot, so I think there's a good, I think there's a good value proposition, and uh, mm. you know, with the World Cups and Lions and the things that uh, the competitions that rugby has, I think that's very appealing. Um, but uh, you know, it, there's no shying away; it's a competitive landscape, and we've got two very strong competitors in contact sport. I think we're the only market in the world that has has those three in competition sport or contact sports. So it's uh, it's a it's a big challenge, and uh, we've just got to be at the coalface. We've got to be more present in the schools and clubs, um, and that's you know that's actually driving a strategy through the um, the unions, the member unions, to make sure that they deliver on it. And at the moment, as you know, I would I would say that I think it's all a bit fragmented. With everyone does their own version of that, whereas if we can if we can have one version and we all deliver it locally, then I think that would be better. 
Uh, Herbie, it's 9.32. I, I do have to go to the news. Are you able to hang around for the next couple of minutes? Because there's a bigger conversation to be had here around, around that and a few other things. If, if it's okay to keep you on the line, just for two minutes while we get a news hit from Vanessa. Yep, sure. And 9.34, Tuesday morning, 22 and a half degrees. We are doing it today, all thanks to Mac as proud sponsors of the Little Legends supporting grassroots sport in Queensland. It was part of our chat with Daniel Herbert, the new chairman of Australian Rugby, who was kind enough to hold on through the news. Uh, Herbie, grassroots, yes, important, but you, you just mentioned about selling selling the dream of, of international uh, football, which is something I know lured well, Wendell and Matt Rogers and the likes across, but that, that that was 20 years ago. Is it still the sell that you can do that with the Lions Tour coming in World Cups and playing internationally? Is it more about selling – well, is it more about money rather than selling a dream? Oh, well, it depends on who the, who the person is and what their motivation is. And, you know, it's ultimately it's up to the participant what game they want to play. We think we've got a really strong value proposition. And, uh, you know, it's not all about money. I mean, if I get back to – my own career, and I know that's a long time ago, but uh, it wasn't all about money. I could have made you know, more money doing different things than you know what I ended up doing. It became about what I wanted to achieve in the game, and uh, and you know I I managed my manager to make sure that you know he followed the direction to put me in the positions that I wanted to be and in the places that I wanted to be. And uh, so look, I you know I think it, it comes down to the individual. If the individual is motivated by money then, yeah, they're going to go to France or they're going to go to Japan or they might go to another sport um, because, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say we've got the coffers that some of the others have because we don't. Um, so we're not going to make it purely about money. A value proposition won't be purely about money, but we still think there's some pretty good um, there's some pretty good coin that you can earn being a professional rugby player and, uh, and there's a lot of other benefits as well. I've got an armful of more questions to ask you, but, again, it all does boil down to money. Where are you going to get it from? Because I know private equity was on, on the table this year, or at least that was a, mm. a a path that RA was following. That's not there now. Where do you get the money? How do you build those coffers? Well, I'd, look, where what I would say is I think the uh, I don't think it's all about money. I do. I think you've got to be fiscally responsible, but I think you've got to get the high performance aspect, and particularly the Wallabies at the moment. They're the commercial vehicle that most of the money that supports the rest of the game. Uh, that's that's got to be firing. So we've got to get that, and that's part of that centralisation discussion. Does, um, does that not winning. does that not require money? To, I mean, every, everything costs, right? Well, everything costs, but there's there's enough there at the moment. I mean, I'm you know I don't think you need to gold plate high performance. I, you know, there's far more important things. You need resources, mm. but you don't need to gold plate it. You know, no one no one won championships out of having a brand new gym. You know, it's just not—it's just not what high performance is about. It's about people aligned, going in the same direction, and you know, having having really good coaching and support around that. And that's the biggest aspect. And I don't think that takes, you know, a huge amount of, of outside investment to do that. But of course, money—you know—money helps. The private—the uh, private equity's been put on ice. We're exploring a debt option now to get us to the Lions, and then we've got two big capital events coming that will inject a lot of money into the game and we want to make sure that that money that comes into the game can sustain the game and we can get on a, a footing where it doesn't go through this constant cycle of, of bang or bust and you know we've got to get a much more 
uh, solid footing there that you know we we have everyone living within their means, but but doing it you know in a um, in a high performing environment that doesn't have to be gold plated. The next two questions may be counterintuitive of each other, but do we have too many Super Rugby teams for the talent pool? Oh, I don't think so. I don't think shortage. You know, I don't think there's a shortage of talent. I think there's a shortage of developing the talent. So, you know, and, and I've spoken to, you know, high performance directors in other parts of the world and they're envious of the, the talent base that we've got and the athletic makeup of our players. We're just not maximising that. So I think we, you know, I mentioned yesterday that we need to develop people, not just, you know, not just get them and think they're going to be the finished product. We've actually got to put the time and effort and that, you know, that is from, you know, how do you line, how do you align the academies and, you know what's happening through the Super Rugby clubs. We also get the players playing games. You know, I, I get worried that sometimes people sit in academies and aren't playing games. They've got to, you know, and that's something that talking to someone in French rugby when you know they've enjoyed a bit of a renaissance lately. And one of the things that they did was, you know, they had all their players sitting in a in an academy up in Marcoussi, and yeah. you just said, I just got them back to their clubs playing, and I just needed them to play. And you get better by playing. The biggest one of the biggest problems is in Australia, you don't play enough games, so. Uh, I think it was uh, Dave Rennie was talking about Richie Moanga versus Noel Alessio at that point in time a couple of years ago, saying that Richie Moanga had played five times the amount of high-class football that uh, that uh, Noah had done at the same age. So well, there's a there's a, there's a bit of a gap there. Well, that that was going to be my next question. Then, how do we do that? How do we get players playing more games? Is it going back to club land, or is it creating another level of uh, competition below Super Rugby? Well, we've done. Yeah, look, we've done the other level with I think the ARCs and the NRCs, yeah. and uh, and it really divides opinion. Some people think it was it was fantastic. Other people think it was you know it was a waste of time. It doesn't have the tribalism that has existed in the club network mm. for you know in you know, in some instances well over a hundred years. So I think if there's a way we can leverage that tribalism to create uh, you know another product or a slightly enhanced product, then I think that you know that comes with inherent. Uh, an inherent following and, and tribalism. You would have loved going back to play Je- at Jeeps, I'm sure, in your day. I did. Yeah. I think I did. It was, uh, you know, it was great. I don't think there was a bigger exponent club rugby at the time than Todd Kessler used to used to love going back and, and playing. And, you know, quite often we would get, and you wouldn't get that in uh, too often these days, but, you know, back in the, you know, the 80s, the Sony Shore and... Uh, Mark Lane days, they'd play a test match on the Saturday and go and play for the club on a Sunday. Now, yeah. the high-performance experts would actually pull their hair out if you try to do that. But, um, <laughs> can you, tra- can you, you change know, that, Dan? Can we can we see Wallabies playing club rugby? Well, I think certainly after the certainly after the Super Rugby season. I mean, that's when, you know, at the moment, we've got Super Rugby players who aren't involved in Wallabies and Australia A. You know, they should be. They should be, absolutely, all of them. Um, and uh, and if they're not, then you know we need to look at the competition. You know, if there's not enough opportunities there, but they've got to be playing more. You know, they're paid 12 months a year, so we've got to get got to get them playing more because that's how they'll actually improve. Mate, well said. You've been very generous with your time too this morning. I know it's a, a big task ahead of you, but uh, that has never stopped you in, in the past. We appreciate your time, and we wish you well on your journey. Thanks very much, Ben. Uh, there we go, Daniel Herbert, uh, new boss, the chairman of Australian Rugby. I do know that Herbie has said that boards govern, the executive run the game. So as much as we just heard from him then and spoke to him then, he was very open about it, I hope we don't hear too much from Dan Herbert. I hope that he is working behind the scenes to make the things uh, in place to make 
rugby strong again because we do live in a unique market where rugby league, rugby union, NAFL, high contact sports can all coexist. We just need to get the right parts in play. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. I know you want a big say on this. We'll get to that very shortly. Uh, cricket coming up next because see outside of coups, it is all about cups.